I'm going to ask you to reflect on a question. And you can even raise your hand. I'll raise your hand if this relates to you. Growing up in the family that you grew up in, is there anything in that family that you grew up in that you would like to see different? Raise your hand. Anything? Yeah. A lot of hands up. Some of you had perfect childhoods. Two hands up. I mean, that might be me. I have a list in my back pocket of the things that I want to see different. Yeah. So there, I had things in, in my childhood, like I'm the youngest of six kids. Um, we grew up on a farm until I was 10. And one of the things that I would say that I desperately wanted different growing up is our pet situation. Like, like many of you, you had pets growing up. And, and, and normal pets, dogs, kitties. God help you. But kitties and uh, fish. I would have taken a fish. Didn't have that either, you know. Some of you had turtles, little hamsters, whatever. You had pets. The Gannon household, our pet, like if we had to say, like, what was your pet if I had to pick something? Okay, and I'm not proud of it, but the closest thing I would come up with is sheep. We had sheep on our farm. And they weren't, they were like our pets. Like I found a, a picture, a family picture. Check this out. This, this is us taking a picture with our pets. I mean that, yeah. I mean, look at that. That's not even, I don't even know where my other sister is in that picture. I'm concerned. But that's me in the middle. The littlest dude in the middle is me. I am not the, the boy on the outside with that sheep. That is not me. Okay. That is my brother. And if I ever want to like, like blackmail my brother, I'm going to use this picture because <laughs> that's, something is wrong there. But this is, this is our, this, these are our pets. I don't remember the names, but those are our pets. Okay, take that picture down right now. We may not even put that up for the next serve. So can you imagine bringing your pet to school day? Okay, I can't do that. I can't. Here's Lucy the lamb. Okay, that, that would not be good. In fact, you could say that would be bad. Okay, yeah, that joke was bad. So, yeah, that, that's something that desperately needed to change in my household. I don't know where you're at in your family right now or, or maybe what you're thinking about in the family you grew up, but here's my guess for your current family. There's probably something about your family, even now, that you would like to see different, that you would like to see changed. And something about the crisis that we've been in, this, this pandemic, God's been like, really driving me towards, okay, what about our church family needs to change? What should look different now that, you know, we're, we, we have to, like, look at something? We have to, we're, we're, we almost see a crisis. Well, somebody told me never waste a crisis. And that just means that when you're going through a difficult time, many times God wants to show you something in that. I'm so excited about the message today because what, what, you're, what God is going to show us today, if you let it, will dramatically change something in your family. Not, not just your church family, that too, that's what we're going to look at, but in your family, in your life personally. What I love about church is we don't just come and, and hear a word that doesn't apply to our lives, but God is going to give you a word today that's going to apply to your children, apply to your family, apply to your marriage. This word is so applicable, and it's so key because I know, as I've been praying to God, and many of you know this, I'm asking God, God, what do you want different in Meadows Church? I mean, we're not even three years old. And we've seen God do amazing things. But yet I know in this, the crisis that we're looking at, that, we go, that we're going through, all of us together, there's something that God wants us to look at. And that's what, that's what it, so he brings me to Acts 1. And that makes sense. So Acts 1, let me just tell you, maybe you don't know the word of God that well. So the New Testament starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the story of Jesus' life. We call them the gospel. That means good news. That's all that means. So after the gospels, it's Acts. And why is it called Acts? Because the apostles, the disciples, they took action. So, so here, let me set it up. The greatest miracle in history has just happened. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. 
So Jesus is risen from the dead, and now he's talking to the people that he's, that he's appearing to, and he's telling them, this is what I want you to do. This is what I need you to do. Like if someone you know came back to life and said, hey, do it, this is what you need to do, you would, I bet you would listen. I bet you'd be like, dang it, you, you probably know something. That's what Jesus is doing. So I want you to, if you brought a Bible or you got the mobile Bible app, um, I love when you bring your Bibles. If you don't have one, we want, we want to give you one, guest services. But I, I want you in the Word. You need to be in the Word of God. It's so crucial. Um, and if you don't have that, we're going to put it up on the screen. But we start in Acts 1-3. So the greatest miracles happen, and now, now Jesus is saying, okay, act. Act accordingly. Here's what I told you. Here's what he said. It says, during the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. So here we have Jesus uh, appearing. And then disappearing, like appearing and then disappearing, much like our sanity has done over the last three, four months, right? I mean, Jesus is there and then he's gone, but he's appearing to hundreds of people over this time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was literally alive. He's showing them I'm alive. It happened. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now listen to what Jesus says. It says, once he's eating with them, once he was eating with them and he commanded them, listen, don't leave where you're at right now. Don't leave Jerusalem until my Father, God, sends you the gift he promised, as I told you he would do before. John, my cousin, Jesus' cousin, John baptized with water, but in a few days, that is key, we'll come back to it, in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the apostles, this is the next verse, which is weird because they changed directions. It says the apostles who were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So Jesus addresses that and then quickly goes back to the, the matter at hand, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, listen, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But, again, back to the matter at hand, you will receive power. Say power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. By the way, the power that Jesus is talking about, that power that would literally transform their lives, that power hasn't changed. Like the power 2,000 years ago is the same Holy Spirit power that is available to you and I today. See, this is good news. This is good news. And I think sometimes we think, oh, only if God moved like he moved back then. He does, and he wants to, and I'm going to show you that. So, so he, Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, not just here in Jerusalem, but beyond here, Judea. But not just Judea, beyond there to Samaria. But not just Samaria, beyond Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He gives this incredible, incredible promise. And then you know what he does? He does another disappearing act. Only this time... He's gone. I mean, it's, he ain't coming back to appear. He will someday, but he hasn't yet in, in, in physical form. It's called the ascension. After Jesus gives his final instructions, he literally, like, does this Jedi mind trick. He ascends into heaven, and they watch him go. It's like, bye. <laughs> bye, Jesus. And he, it gets smaller and smaller. Pretty soon you can't see Jesus, and he's gone. And they're thinking, okay, now what? Say, now what? Now what do we do? Jesus is gone. But wait, he said, he said he promised us something, right? He promised something's going to happen. So what do we do in the meantime? This is what they did in the meantime. And this is, this is key to what we should be doing. It's one of the things God is showing me like, okay, you need to get back to this. Not that we ever got away, but sometimes, you know, well, let's see what scripture says. In Acts 1.14, they all met together continually for prayer. 
along with Mary, Jesus' mom is meeting with them, several other women, because Jesus, Jesus was smart. He surrounded himself with women. He knew who could get things done. He's got women in the room. There's guys in the room. Jesus' brothers are in the room, and that's insane. Because two months ago, they didn't believe he was anything other than a snot-nosed brother. Now, all of a sudden, you know what they believe? He's the Savior of the world. That's what they believe. That's why they're meeting. That's why they're praying. It's, it's, well, but when you see your brother dead, and then he shows up at the reunion, it'll change you. I'm just saying. It will change you. It changed them. And you know what? You know, they were changed so much, the first church. That I like to put it this way. They were no ordinary family. They, and God, for your family at home, for your family here at church, God wants you to be no ordinary family. That is the title of today's message, No Ordinary Family. But how were they not or, ordinary? How were they different? We, we found it in the scripture. Listen to me. They were focused. Say focused. They were focused on prayer. They were focused on prayer. Now, I don't know about your family. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've already got this down at your household. Maybe you're so focused on prayer that like when you get up in the morning, your feet don't even hit the floor. Your knees are the first thing hitting the floor. You're like, praise Jesus. Kids are getting ready for school on their own. You don't even have to get them out of bed. You go down and you gather together for your breakfast and you pray, of course, before that. And after that, you're doing your morning devotional before you send little Jimmy and Sally off to school. Now, if that's your life, you know, you can check out for the next 10 minutes because you've already got it down. But if that doesn't describe you to a T, God's got a word for you. I mean, I'm the pastor of this church. Jody, our life doesn't even look like that, does it? It should. Jody's like, <laughs> so we do pray in the morning, most mornings, kids. We don't always get it right. Jake, I remember, was it last week you were running out the door to connect with your buddies on the way to school? He walks with the same group. Jake's running out the door, and I'm like, Jake, we got to pray, we got to pray. He's like, Dad, I ain't got time, and he's halfway down the road. I'm like, all right, well, God bless you, and keep you out of trouble, amen. You know, I just, I just threw a prayer out there, you know, whatever. So it's the best I had right then. We don't always get it right, and maybe you don't either. This is for you. If you don't always get that right, uh, uh, so God is saying they were focused on prayer. And this is why I'm so excited for people being in the room too. I'm excited that you're watching online as well. But when we put ourselves in a position for the Holy Spirit to move, he moves. So when you say, gosh, it's, a, it's, it's even a holiday weekend, man, a lot of things I could be doing rather than going to church, but you're here. And this, this forces us to focus on prayer. Honestly, it does. Many of you, this might be the only time you pray throughout the week. And I'm not judging you at all. My gosh, I've been there. Trust me. But at least you're here. At least you're focused on prayer now. Praise God for that. For those of you that check kids into the kids' ministry, you know what you're, you know what you're, you know what you're teaching your kids? We are no ordinary family. Like, I will check you in. And you know what they're doing right now? They are praying. They are singing to Jesus. They are partying. And they are having fun. See, and they should. Church should be fun. Church should look less like a funeral and more like a party because you and I have something to celebrate in Jesus. So we just believe that the kids, like as a church, church wasn't fun for me. I, 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 I get it. I, I mean, I didn't even get it. I just, but we didn't have kids ministry. I mean, we're teaching them that Jesus can be fun. Jesus can be a party. So you're teaching your kids that. Those of you that allow your youth kids at 6th through 12th grade to go to youth ministry, you allow them to go there, you know what you're doing? You're setting them up to say, we are no ordinary family. I'm going to put you in a position where you have to focus on prayer. Like you have no choice. 
And as a parent, you want to do that for your kids. Trust me, if it's a healthy, fun, safe environment, you want that for them. By the way, our youth ministry, check this out. Our youth ministry opened up physically, like in person, like we did, for the first time on Wednesday. We had six first-time guests in our youth ministry. We, I mean, that is so awesome. I love it. And I think those parents, they, they, their kids, they want, their, they want something for the, different for their students, for their teenagers. Most teenagers, I, this might shock you, most teenagers probably aren't focused on prayer a whole lot. They might be. Some are. Some are. Most aren't. Okay? And if they are focused on prayer all the time, they probably have no friends. But I'm just saying, it's okay. We, I'm kidding. I want, we want them focused on prayer. And we're going to help them do that. That's, that. that's the environment we're setting up. Back to God's word. Let's continue in Acts. In Acts 2, remember, they're, they're praying and they're waiting. They're praying and they're waiting. They're praying and they're waiting. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. I love that. They were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven and the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. This is it. This is the gift that's appearing. This is the gift that Jesus promised. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The gift has come. The gift that Jesus promised has finally came. Here's what, here, but here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Do you remember what Jesus said when it would come, when the Holy Spirit would come? He said, he said I'll put it back to Acts 1-5. I think that's where we read it. John baptized you with water, Jesus said, but in a few days, Jesus promised in a few days the Holy Spirit's come. So I asked a guy this week when I was preparing the message, I said, how many is a few? And he's like, ah, two or three. I'm like, ah, it's probably about right. I mean, a couple's probably two, so three. How many think three? Three is a few. You think that? How many say it could be something other than three? You think that? Okay. Four? four? I'll give you four. If you would have said something higher, I would have said you're wrong. So I don't um, <laughs> A few is probably three or so. So Jesus said a few days. He said a few days. Pentecost, remember it said the day of Pentecost? Pentecost literally means 50th. It means 50th. So Pentecost is happening. In this case, it's that, they're celebrating it after the Passover. But, you, but Jesus has risen from the dead. So this day happened 50 days after the resurrection. 50 days after the resurrection is when they were in that room and the Holy Spirit ascended on them and in them. So... Jesus, the Bible, remember what the Bible said right away? It said Jesus hung out, appeared, disappeared, appeared, disappeared for 40 days. So if Jesus appeared, disappeared for 40 days, and then he ascended, and the Holy Spirit came on the 50th day, how many, how many was a few to Jesus? Yeah, 10. Everybody's like really quiet. It's a math illustration. So everybody's like, I don't know. One carry the three minus two, two X times three squared. I don't have a, you know, there's really three kinds of people in the world, okay? Ones, those that are good at math and those that aren't, okay? And some of you, you might get that on the way home, and good for you. So, uh, you know, you'd be like, oh, I get it. He said, anyway, so um, math isn't easy for me. My gosh, be praying for me. So 10 days was a few. 10. 10 days after Jesus said, hey, just you can read King James even says in a very short amount of time. 10 days can seem like forever. Man, a kid waiting for Christmas, 10 days is forever. I, I thought about that. That would have been the longest 10 days of their life. Just think after day three, they're like, okay, a few is three, maybe four, right? Maybe four. We're, day six, where's the Holy Spirit? Day seven, where's the Holy Spirit? And I think to myself, why didn't Jesus just say in 10 days? Why not? You're Jesus, you know. In 10 days, the Holy Spirit's coming. In 10 days, the Holy Spirit's You know why I don't think he said it? Why he was more vague with it? 
because he's teaching them about trust. He's teaching them how to trust him and how to build their faith. That's what he's doing. Some of you, you're praying for, something, for God to move in an area, and it's even a promise that you're trying to see realized that he's given you, and you're like thinking to yourself, I don't, it's never going to happen. It's never, it, things are not going my way. Th- just like the disciples thought, things are not going our way, God. Things are not going our way. It's day nine. I don't see anything happening. But listen to me. Just because things aren't going your way doesn't mean they're not going God's way. Okay? Just because they're not going your way, you don't give up. You keep praying. The Holy Spirit came in 10 days, and it transformed them. So much so that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they're focused on prayer, and now they're filled with the Spirit. That's no ordinary family. <laughs> turn, to, turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of it. Okay? You've been wanting to tell them that anyway. You've been wanting to tell them. I just gave you permission. You're full of it. I've been told that before. Jody, when somebody tells me that, I'm like, thank you very much. I do feel like I'm full of the Holy Spirit right now. But they never, they never meant that. So you're full of it. They were so full of it, you could not deny it. God is calling meadows. I can't speak for other churches, but this one, he's calling us to be a church. He's calling us to be a family that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that is led by the Holy Spirit, that is changed by the Holy Spirit. That's no ordinary family. And when the Holy Spirit came, they were so changed, like Peter, he started preaching in such a radical way that he would never, he'd never preach like that in his life. So he preaches this bold first message, and the Bible says in Acts 2.41, those who believed what he was saying were baptized and added to the church about 3,000 in all. So the church literally goes from 120 to over 3,000. Why? It wasn't because of Peter. Trust me. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only moving in Peter, but moving in the people that were receiving the word of God, convicting them, challenging them, making their hearts ready to hear and receive it. See, the Holy Spirit is moving in you even right now. You might not even feel it. I'd say most times you don't feel it. I always get nervous when people are like, oh, I just felt it. I'm like, feelings come and feelings go. But I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit, he's in this place. And he's moving right now. No ordinary family. So let me give you a little more scripture and then, and then unpack this and then we'll close out. So Acts 2.41, 3,000 people are saved. Let's continue down that, that scripture in Acts. All the believers devoted themselves. Say devoted. So they're devoting themselves. Do you know why they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the word of God? Because the Holy Spirit's in them now. See, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you, may not, you might not feel like reading the word every day, but I'm telling you, you should be drawn somewhat to the word of God. You should be because the Holy Spirit is in you, guiding you. You might fight that because we're still fighting the sinful nature, but the Holy Spirit's moving. So they're, de- they're devoting themselves to teaching and to fellowship, the power of togetherness and to sharing in meals and to prayer. We talked about that prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. They performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Oh my gosh, next week, uh, you gotta come back because we're gonna look at that in particular. And all the believers met together, say together, in one place, and they shared everything they had. This is no ordinary family. Listen to what I'm about to read to you. They sold property. They sold their possessions. They shared money with those in needs. They were no ordinary family. They worshiped together at the temple, not just each week, but each day, no ordinary family. They met in the home for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. They were no ordinary family. And each day, the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. They were a family that was focused on prayer. They were a family filled with the Spirit. That's no ordinary family. And you know what? By the way, God didn't create you to be ordinary in the first place. 
God didn't create you just to fit in. God created you to stand out. God created you to make a difference. God created you to be extraordinary. That's what he created you for. And you know what? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be. See, he, the Holy Spirit, he has the power to take you from ordinary to extraordinary. Or extraordinary. Only he can do it. Only he can do it. Nothing else can. Nobody else can. Only his power. And I, I, and I kept read, reading that scripture. They met together. They prayed together. And when the Spirit came, everyone who was present got the Holy Spirit, got the gift that Jesus promised. That incredible Christmas gift that Jesus promised, this Holy Spirit. So what are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying the people that called in sick for worship that day, the people that didn't make it, maybe had a, a I was going to say a flat tire, but I'm pretty sure they weren't driving at that time. But they, you, you, are you saying they didn't have it? I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you, the Word of God says all who were present that day were filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you there's something about gathering together. There's so, see, when we come together, you know what people tell me a lot after we preach and after the Word of God goes forth and after we worship together and we do this together? I'll hear so much. Pastor, it was so motivating. It was so encouraging. Um, it filled me up. I hear it all the time. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you felt that. And I think to myself, good, it should. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what the Bible says. You read in Hebrews, go to the New Testament, read in Hebrews, listen to what it says. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. When we gather together, now I get the church begins when we leave here. Never forget that. This is the huddle for the church. But the church is not confined to four walls. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is where we huddle up. This is where we motivate one another. This is where we teach each other how to love and love weak and all these things that we do together. We need this. I'm always cautious. Why well, just do church online? I, I, and you're watching online right now. I love you. But if you can get to a local church and you, when you feel that's safe for you or whatever situation you're in, get to a local church. I'm telling you, there's something, something supernatural happens when we gather together. I'm, now, does God change lives through online ministry? Yes. God's word goes forth. Lives are changed. My gosh, we just celebrated last week that during our five months of online ministry, 33 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ in our church. I mean, yes. God moves in online ministry. I don't, think, I don't think when those people get to heaven, Jesus is like, yeah, I see here you were saved online. Well, I don't know. You know, I suppose you can stay, but I'm going to have to send you down to the first floor. You know, I visit there on Tuesdays. So you'll be fine. So no, he doesn't say that. But the word of God says, do not neglect gathering together. Do not neglect meeting together right there, as some people do. But encourage one another. Now that the day of the return, day of his return is drawing near, and it is. It's nearer than it was 2,000 years ago, I guarantee you that. But I love that. We need this. I need this as much as you do. When I see you and we gather together and we, we encourage each other, this is, this is so critical. And I know there are churches, there are churches during this time, and I ain't, I ain't judging them. God might tell them, obviously God's going to speak to us all differently, but, uh, but I know there are some churches that are going online only, and that's it. We're going to go digital, and we could save a ton of money, a ton of rent. I mean, it, it, from a financial point of view, it makes sense, but that's not the church. You, you might hear a message online. You might, you might, but that's not your pastor. That's just some pastor that you listen to. It is not church. It is, it is the gathering. That's what the whole thing says here. Coming together. Everybody that was there received it. Man, it's like you got to be present to win. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, there's something about coming together. But it's so interesting. 
something that hit me as, I, as, I, as God showed me that in Hebrews was, remember back when I read scripture, was it in Acts 1 or 2, Acts 1, um, when Jesus said, hey, in a few days, the Holy Spirit's coming. And remember when the disciples took a left turn right away? It's like, oh my gosh, you're going to get the greatest gift in the world. And the disciples are like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. That's cool. But, but, but what about this? Remember what they said? They asked about um, setting up your kingdom. But, but Jesus, we're still going to set up the kingdom here on earth, right? Jesus, we're still going to overthrow the Romans, right? Because you came to set things straight. And Jesus is like, I wonder if he's thinking, my gosh, you're still, I'm the risen son of God talking to you. And you're still thinking temporal. I mean, I'm talking to you about eternal things and the Holy Spirit. And you're worried about the political climate of the world? And they were. It was a very much a political climate back then, just like it is in 2020, baby. It is political. And it is real. And Jesus is, is, is they want Jesus to change the laws. They want Jesus to change the government. And Jesus is like, okay. And he addresses it, and then he goes right back to the Holy Spirit. Now, do laws need to be changed? Of course, yeah. Are we grateful that there's laws in, in our Constitution and in our world? Yes. Should we vote as Christians? God, yes. It is a God-given right. Yes, you should. But, but here's what I know. Laws are important back then and today. But Jesus is teaching us something. I, before I moved to Omaha a few years ago, I was a pastor in Sioux Falls, and the guy I shared an office with was a pastor with me. And he told me one thing. Here's what he told me. He was a lobbyist on Capitol Hill before he became a pastor. And so he's a lobbyist. They, of course, that's what they do. They lobby. They want to get certain bills passed and certain rights passed. And a lot of his were Christian agendas, you know, to get good things that we want to see passed. And, and I said, why aren't you still in it? Why aren't you doing it? He said, it was, it was too frustrating. He said, because we got legislation passed. And I said, well, that's what you wanted, right? We got laws passed. I said, well, that's, what you, that's why you did what you did. He said, but nothing changed. He said, the laws changed, but the people didn't. Wow, the laws changed, how'd he put it? Changing the laws, this is what he said. Changing the laws didn't change the people. So at the end of the day, it's really not the laws that need to be changed, it's our hearts that need to be changed. That's what I'm learning. See, it's not a law problem, it's a heart problem. And the only one who has the power to change and transform a heart, well, his name is Jesus, and he can do it. So should you be voting? Absolutely. Yes, we, we, we're called to do that, and that's a, that's a God-given right. And we'll talk even more about that as the season gets, gets closer. Jesus talks about politics, too. I'm not, not afraid to go there, but I'm telling you, never forget what we're facing in this world is temporal. The government rests on Jesus' shoulders. So, so, so we, need, we need heart transformation. By the way, when the law was given, you think this is a coincidence? When the law was given, did Moses, remember? It's Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, you know? So the law's given... 3,000 people lost their life. You can read it in Exodus. I'm not going to pull it apart for you. That's maybe some homework this week. Read it. They're already, they're already sitting before he's down the hill. He comes down in this debauchery. 3,000 people lost their life when the law was given. What did we just hear with Peter? Peter preaches the word of God and the Holy Spirit has come. 3,000 people come to life. You think that's a, think about that. It's not about the law. It's not about rules. Jesus is all about what? A relationship. This is the key. This is what I told the, the young woman that came to me this week. She reaches out to me. I loved it. She said uh, her, I, a very close family member was asking her about faith and asking her about Jesus. He's not walking with Jesus, but because of what's going on, he's asking questions. 
And of course, that gets me fired up because that's what we're called to do. We're, we want to lead people to Jesus at all costs. And I was so excited. So she's like, okay, I share Jesus. I said, you know, b believe in Jesus. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's very critical. And she says, what else do I need to know? Because we're going to have another conversation in the next week or two. And this is somebody she loves dearly, dearly. And she wants to do it right. And I told her, I said, listen to me. You, you tell him what you told him about believing in Jesus. That is, that is key. And I said, I, I'll unpack a little formula. And this isn't, I mean, the, the kids are probably learning this in, 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 in kids' ministry. I, in fact, I know they've learned this, but we continually teach it. That when you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to, you want to be saved, if you will. Well, it's as easy as ABC. That's what I told her. A, admit. Say admit. Man, if we can't sit up here and admit that we, we are jacked up in one way or another, most people don't have a problem admitting that. Most people know when they look in the mirror, you don't have your life together as we look at ourselves. We don't, that, that's not a hard thing to admit, but it's, but it's crucial. You, don't, you can't be saved unless you don't think you're drowning, right? You gotta know you're, you're, you don't have it together. That's, not, that, that's admitting, believing, say believe. That's what she told her, her, her family member. Believe in Jesus. So she shared the B of the ABCs. Believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God and that he did appear and reappear to hundreds, if not thousands of people after rising from the dead. Like he's defeated sin and death. You believe in him. That is the key. He is the key. He is the key. And then C, choose. Say choose. Well, what do you mean choose? I thought that we just believe in Jesus and we're good. You might want to go back and listen to the series before this one where we unpack that and what that looks like and follow. See, you can believe in Jesus and still not choose him. Does the devil believe in Jesus? Yes or no? I'll guarantee you he's never doubted the existence of Jesus, ever. We have, he has not. Is he choosing to follow Jesus? Absolutely not. And this is my, one of my biggest, because this was me. I was, uh, before I was saved, I believed in Jesus. All my life I believed. But the C, that choosing, I was choosing my own thing in my own way. And I'm like, I'm good. I got Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't, you know, I'm me and Jesus. Bible says believe. Anyone who believes is good. You got to look at the whole context of the Bible. You can't just pick and choose. I'm telling you, choosing or repenting would be a biblical term for it. Repenting means changing, changing behavior, choosing to follow. I'm not going to follow my way. I'm going to follow his way. A, B, C. So we talked about that. And I shared that with her. And I said, you know what? When you do that, the Holy Spirit, when you invite him, you choose. Holy Spirit, come into me. Make me new. The Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit, you can't be saved without him. You're not a Christian without the Holy Spirit. You're not part of God's family without the Holy Spirit. Oh, they're a child of God. I would, I'd be careful saying that unless you know they're saved. Not, not, the Bible, Bible says when you're saved, you're adopted into God's family. Well, if you're adopted in, that means that you must have been out. Right? So, so A, B, C. And then you know what I told her? I said, at the end of the day, okay, we can share scripture. We can share, share acronyms and all these kind of cool things. I said, share your story. I said, share your story. You tell him what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Your powerful, your most powerful testimony is your story. It's a changed life. Changed lives, changed lives. You tell him what Jesus Christ has done in you. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will work in that. That is critical. That is critical, and of course. Why do we say that? Because it's not about rules, it's about a relationship. It's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus has already done. And the resurrection. If there's an event that you need to wrap your head around today, it's the resurrection. That event changed everything. That's what, that's what Christianity is based on. 
See, if Jesus didn't appear to all these people, if Jesus isn't alive like he was dead, but, but then he stayed dead, we had, the church has nothing to say. In fact, if that's the case, if Jesus is dead, we can kind of pack up and go home. We don't need to meet next week. We don't need to meet online. We can pack up and go home if he is dead. But here's the deal. Jesus Christ isn't dead. See, Jesus Christ is alive. And because of that, we're not packing up. And we're not going home. And we're not going to stop declaring. And we're not going to stop shouting about the goodness of our God. If God's done something good in your life, you should praise Him for 10 seconds because He loved you and He brought you here. And He's not done with you. Church, church is alive and well, baby. The church is alive. It, it started with about 122,000 years ago. And now I think it cleared 2 billion or whatever, 2.5 billion people. It's not going anywhere. Jesus Christ died for the church. Thank you, Jesus. That gospel that I shared, that admit, believe, and choose, for some of you today, maybe you find yourself on that level. I've admitted, but I don't know if I believe. I believe, but have I really repented? And am I choosing to follow Jesus every day? Am I choosing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit? I don't know where you're at, but I know that God brought you here today. So this is, this is your first action item. Other than check out Exodus and that law thing I talked about, this is your second action item. That you would call in the name of the Lord. The Bible says that anyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be saved. You call on his name, I admit it. God, I believe it, and I choose. I admit it, I believe it, and I choose. You call on his name, and you will be saved. And the Holy Spirit power, that same Holy Spirit that showed up and literally changed the world through a, through a, a, a group of just ordinary. I love it. That's what the scripture says, too, in Acts. Ordinary people, no special train, training. They became extraordinary. Why? Not because of anything they did, but because of what Jesus did and the power that he gave them. Anybody that wants to call on the name of the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not even going to make you raise your hand, but I do think it has to be public with you, and I'm glad that you're here today. So maybe you're watching online. If you're ready to accept what Jesus did on the cross and that the resurrection is real and that when you call on his name, you're saved. If you're ready to do that, whether you're online or in the seats, I want you to do that now. There's cards if you're here um, physically, the connect cards, the green cards, you can mark your decision. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in Jesus Christ. I want him in me. That Holy Spirit power that they had, I want that. You can have that today. You, you, you mark that. You're watching online. You can text, I choose Jesus to 474747. You know, the ABCs. It's as easy as ABC. I choose Jesus. And you can text that here too. Doesn't matter. I'm just telling you, God, God wants you to put yourself in a position where you can experience his Holy Spirit power in you and through you. God wants to put you in a position, like you're in a position right now. Physically, you're in a position right now for you to experience the Holy Spirit power in you and through you. I want, to, I, 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 want to, I want to minister to you. I want to pour into you every week because you pour into me. I want to do this together as a family. I don't want to be an ordinary family. I don't want to be, I want to be what God's calling us to be. And I want that for you. Make this a priority in your life. We need, we need it because let's face it, when we leave here, the world waits. And the world, you automatically go backwards in the world. But we need to catapult ourselves forward in Christ. Put yourself in a position in fact, some of you, I'll give you another opportunity to put yourself in a position to experience Jesus in a personal and intimate way. And those are life groups. 
Some of you, you're in them already. Praise God. You can tell others, maybe who haven't taken that step, what they do. But a life group is our small group at church. That's all it is. And like we're doing here, it's just a smaller, more personal setting. Jesus preached to the crowds, and then he had his 12 that he got real personal with. That's what a life group is. And you want God to move in your life? You want to experience prayer? Oh my gosh. So my life group, a lot of them are starting to meet now physically. Some of them are still online, but we're, we're quickly getting a meeting because we're getting out of that. So this week in our life group, we're meeting. I kid you not, the prayers that were going up this week, even our life group leader, I don't even lead the group, another guy leads it. And here's what he says after people get share prayer requests. Here's what he said. Did you guys catch it? All the prayer requests that just went out that we prayed for, they were for other people. Now we're not always like that. A lot of times we need help in our lives, obviously, but this particular night, all of our prayer requests were praising God or praying for other people. And even, so we prayed for other people, and you know how God added to their number? We had a new, somebody brought somebody, somebody that she'd been praying for, and all of a sudden she showed up. You don't think the power of prayer works? You, 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 you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit power. Prayer is so powerful. So we pray for people and people show up. People are sharing prayer requests and lives are being changed. And they're about, oh my gosh, I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for, maybe it's their salvation. Maybe it's their family. Maybe it's their marriage. And, and then they're sharing what God is doing. They're getting closer. They told me to keep asking about church. They're not ready for church yet, but they told me, keep asking. So God, all God needs is a crack to blow open the door and change a life. And I'm hearing these stories in life group and I'm getting all excited. And then at the very end, we're getting ready to take off and one of the gals says, she says, you know, I love gathering together. And she goes, I loved gathering together last weekend. That was the first weekend we opened after this five months. And she said, I love gathering together. And she goes, she goes, nothing personal, pastor. And I'm like, oh no, what's she gonna say? She's like, nothing personal, but, but your preaching is different. You know, when we come together than it is online. And I'm like, I thought, I kind of laughed. I thought, you're telling me it's different. I mean, for the past five months, I've been preaching in my living room and my audience has been my dog licking himself on the couch, okay? You try preaching to that. It's not easy. Plus, I was sitting down. Why would I, why was I doing that? I'm sitting down? I can't preach sitting down. I'm like Elvis. I gotta move. I gotta, I gotta shake. And then you start talking about the Holy Spirit and you start talking about Jesus and pretty soon we get excited about the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiving power of God. I can't help but move. I can't help but shake Jesus. All right. My gosh, gotta close. I'm gonna pray for you. There's life group cards on your chairs. If you're interested, we will definitely connect you. I'm proud of you for putting yourself today in a position for God to move in you and through you. We're gonna be focused on prayer. We will fill ourselves up with the Holy Spirit. And if we do those things, we don't have to do a lot else because the Holy Spirit does a lot through us. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, listen to me. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Jesus Christ, we said it last week. He's especially fond of you. He loves you. And I don't even need to know your story to tell you that. I don't need to know what you've all done wrong. My gosh, I feel like the most, I feel like the most wretched person in the room most days. And if he can move in my life, my God, he wants to move in yours. I love being your pastor. I love you. I love you and God loves you more. I'll never stop reminding you and God loves you more. Father, thank you for your spirit moving in your house. Thank you for teaching us what it means to be your church. God, here's the deal. 
There's churches and we'll never get it completely right because people are in churches and we're kind of messed up. You know that, that's why you came. But if there's ever a church that got it right, Father, I think it would have been that first church. I mean, they literally walked with you, God. Like they, they, they talked with you, they ate with you and they were messed up. But if there, if there was ever a model that you want us to follow, I have to believe that's it. God, show us what it means to be no ordinary family in our church and in our homes. And this is what I know that you're speaking. One thing I do know is this. When we put ourselves in a position for your Holy Spirit power to move in and through us, it will change us. Not only will it change us, it will change people around us because that's what you're in the business of doing, changing lives. Father, we love you. We thank you. And we can't stop declaring that in your name, the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, amen.